Gracious Heavenly Father, speak through me these words that they not be of me, but they be only of you, and bring us to the foot of your cross. In Jesus' name, amen. The Gospel of Matthew, it says this, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. His words spoken by Jesus. The Sermon on the Mount. Crowds are gathered, his disciples are there, and he lets them know, lets them in on a secret. He says, hey, guess what? You know me, and you have received the light of who I am. You are this light. You are the city on the hill, and it cannot be hidden. You're a lamp that is put on a lampstand for everyone to see. It has such great missional quality to it. Because he's letting them all know, just go and let it shine. And as you let it shine, people will see those good works and they will know who I am. But the thing about lights is that, and when it's not included in this teaching, but Jesus does teach it in other places. The thing about light is that not only does it illuminate the good and all the good things, but the light of the Lord, which is truth, also illuminates the bad stuff. The light of the Lord illuminates all the bad things that we try to hide. All the things that we try to have in dark places. The things that, that we don't want anyone else to know about. The things that if people found out about, oh my gosh, what would they say? The things that we know to be true, but we don't want to be confronted with that truth. No, we would much rather just play in the dark. The light illuminates the truth of the good and the truth of the bad, and of the bad things if people saw it, the ruin and the chastisement, maybe even being put out of our families and our friendships because of the things that we do in secret. Light is very funny that way. But the thing about light is those who love the light, those who are in love with truth and love with Christ, they're okay with it. They're okay that the light shines on all the good stuff that they do and all the bad stuff that they do. Because you know why? Because as they have that as a testimony for people, people will see all the wonderful things that Christ has done in my life in spite of how bad and awful the things that I have done. And it's a wonderful testimony for the world. There was a Pharisee. His name was Nicodemus. Let me tell you a story about light. And so Nicodemus, it's in the beginning of the Gospel of John, and Jesus is starting to do stuff. He's starting to stir the pot, and he's starting to do some signs and doing some miracles, and crowds are beginning to follow him. And they're beginning to follow him, and they're getting all hyped up about Jesus. This Jesus is great. We want to see more signs. We want to see more awesome stuff. That water to wine stuff, do it again. We want to see all of those things one more time. In the end of Gospel, uh, chapter 2 in the Gospel of John, Jesus begins begins to question. He's thinking, <laughs> there are more about the signs than they are about who I am. But he's beginning to get a reputation. The religious muckety-mucks are beginning to notice. And one of them, Nicodemus, comes 
to see Jesus. Now Nicodemus comes to see Jesus not in the broad of daylight. It says in John chapter 3, he comes at night because it's not necessarily safe for a religious muckety-muck to go see Jesus during the day. What would people think? I mean, he's associating with someone who's doing some crazy things. We don't know if he's from God. We don't know if he's from the devil. We have no idea what's going on here. So, Jesus, so Nicodemus comes to Jesus at night, wants to know, who, what is it about you? Surely, surely the things that you're doing, you have to be from God, hopefully. And so Jesus begins this instruction with Nicodemus in John chapter 3. And of course, we get John 3, 16, for God to love the world that he gave his one and only begotten son that who shall ever believe in him shall not die but have eternal life. So Jesus is teaching this to Nicodemus. He's telling him that if you want to know this and have this truth in you, you can't get this by earthly knowledge. You're going to have to be born again. And Nicodemus doesn't get it, doesn't understand anything that Jesus is telling him here. But Jesus goes through this whole teaching. It's kind of funny. If you look in the Gospel of John chapter 3, Nicodemus has a couple of questions, then all of a sudden he goes silent, and then Jesus, like a typical preacher, goes on with his sermon, whether or not Nicodemus is there or not. But at the end of that teaching, Jesus brings Nick in. He says, you want to know something else? He says this. This is the judgment in the world. The light has come into the world, light being Jesus, the truth. And people loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things, they hate the light. And they don't want to come into the light lest their wickedness, their works would be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. Like I said before, there are people who hate the light and there are people who love it. Because if they come into the light, their good works are going to be shown in spite of the bad stuff and they'll have a great testimony. But the wicked, as Jesus is teaching Nicodemus, the wicked absolutely hate the light. And not only do they hate the light, they're going to do just about anything they can to snuff that light out whether they're going to hide from it and, and not have the light shine on their, on their whatever they're doing, or whether they actively try to quiet it and snuff it out. They hate the light. It thwarts their plans. It stands in their way. And so we have these two paradigms at work, those who love the light and truth and what Jesus has done, and those who hate it and are actively trying to work against it. How did we get here tonight? How did we get here worshiping a night that Jesus dies? And it's because people that we would not expect loved the darkness. And so we go to the night in which Jesus was to be betrayed. 
We always say that before communion, on the night in which he was to be betrayed. We say that, we start that off, because we want everyone to remember this night, this Passover feast, this great gathering of the 12 disciples is going to start with one of those people who has saw the light, who has been with Jesus, who's witnessed the 5,000 being fed, who's witnessed the blind seeing, the lame walking, who has witnessed all the awesome things that Jesus has done, walking on water, everything. He has seen it. And yet, because it didn't fit his definition of what God is supposed to do, it didn't fit into his plans, Judas decided to play in the dark, thinking that he was doing a righteous thing, and he hands over this innocent man to the religious muckety-mucks. And not only hands them over, he, he, he's bribed with that. He tells them, when, you know, I, when we get to where he's at, I will kiss him and you will know. It is the ultimate dark betrayal. That's why we're here tonight. Because someone rather played in the dark than be confronted with the truth of the light. And then that's not it. So you have Judas's betrayal of Jesus. And then he's arrested and he is taken into trial with a bunch of religious people who my friends ought to have known better. These religious people, these chief priests, these Pharisees, they gave up their entire life studying the scriptures. To be a rabbi in the Jewish faith is serious. I mean, that is a devotion of study. They should have been aware. They should have been prepared. They should have seen the signs. They had known the prophecies. The prophecies that even said that when the Messiah comes, his own people are not even going to like him. How did they miss it? And it's because, like Judas, I'd rather be in the dark. Because in the dark, my authority doesn't get challenged. In the dark, I get to be privileged. Rabbis had a seat of privilege in the community. In the dark, I can further my agenda. I can have wealth. In the dark, they darken the truth of all the hurt and poor people that are around them. That's why Jesus came and was like, you're missing all these folks who are hurting. In the dark, they can put people out of the synagogue for being dirty. Could you imagine if we here at this church were at the door and stopped folks because we thought that they were plagued with some sort of sin. Could you imagine telling that person, sorry, can't come in. Go fix yourself, and then you can come in. But that's what these folks did. And so on the trial that night, the chief priests gathered them together. Listen to how they talk to the Christ. Matthew 26. I adjure you by the living God, the chief priest says. Tell us if you are the Christ. He invokes the living God. And Jesus said to him, you have said so. But I tell you, from now on, you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power and coming on the clouds of heaven. And the high priest, he tore his robes and he said, he has uttered blasphemy. What further witness do you need? You've all heard this blasphemy. What is your judgment? And they all answered, he deserves death. And they spit in his face and they struck him. 
And some slapped him and said, well, prophesy to us, O Christ. Who is it that struck you? They mocked him. They directly challenged him. And they discredited him all in the name of the living God. They thought they were doing righteous things even though they were playing in the dark. Do you ever wonder why? As I said before, these were religious macadamics. They were rabbis. They, were, they, they studied. They should have known. How is it that they missed it? How is it that they forgot? How is it that they, that they missed it to the degree that after this trial, when Jesus is with Pontius Pilate, and Pontius Pilate, the Roman kind of ruler of the day, gives the crowd the option to either free Jesus, whom Pontius Pilate says, I think he's innocent, or to free Barabbas, a known robber and murderer. How is it that the crowds choose a person who takes life to be free and sentence the one who gives life to be killed? Well, that's what it's like playing in the dark. Darkness doesn't want to see the truth. doesn't want to be confronted with it. It's getting into my system. It's getting into my business. And so instead, let's put that light out. Now listen, don't be so quick to judge the Pharisees. It's always easy for us Christians to read about the Pharisees and how dumb they are and how awful they are and how stiff-necked they are. But you can see where I'm going with this. They are sinners just like you and me. We, like Judas, we've seen the light we profess a faith in the light of, of man, of Christ. And yet we sit in this war back and forth, this struggle of either just, you know, confronting ourselves with the truth and trying to walk this life that, that Christ has set before us and then, and then trying to hide from that light altogether and do the things that we really, really want to do that we don't want anyone else to know about. That's a lot of fun if we're being honest. And we have that tug of war back and forth. We're just like them. It's easy to fall into that because of the sin that is in this world that is plaguing each and every one of us. Oh, Lord, how will we find a remedy? And that remedy is in Jesus and what he did on this night. Why do we have a Monday Thursday worship service, my friends? Before we rush to the good news of the empty tomb, we need to sit in the reality that Jesus took the cross for the penalty of our sins. In the song, How Deep the Father's Love, there's a line there that it's, it's nice, get it. I know it's 100% true. It was my sin that held him there. And I, I get it, right? It's the, he took all of our sins. But I think that that kind of lessens the power and the sovereignty of who Christ is. He held himself there. At an utterance of a word, he could have had angels by the thousands coming down and just started all over, but he didn't. He obeyed unto the cross, taking all of our sins with him. 
so that we may be cleansed from the penalty of those sins and know the truth and know the light so that we can dance in the light, so that we can operate in the light, so that we can share that light with other people, so that we can use it as a testimony to say to other people, this is where I was, this is what I did, this is what I continue to struggle with, but thanks be to God, I have the light who continues to confirm to my soul the truth of the gospel that in spite of those iniquities, he loves me even so. And so as often as I find myself here in dark, I'll strive to live in the light of truth. Now we've been in, we've been in a sermon series about promises during Lent. And there's actually a promise contained here for this night. In the Gospel of John chapter 15, Jerry preached on it about abiding in the Father. It takes a long time to talk about how we are to abide in the Lord and the Lord abides in us and that in that abiding we, we bear much fruit and that, that much fruit is just like shining the light. You shine the light for others. In the second half of that message that we didn't go over, Jesus gives a promise that says, now listen, often, I'm paraphrasing here, is you go out and shine that light and you go out and do Jesus things and you bear much fruit, know this, there will be people who will actively try to snuff your light out. They've done it and they will do it to me. You can expect that they will do it to you. We can expect that as often as we live this light out forever, for all folks, that there will be an undercutting. There will be a group of folks, the world, family, whoever it is, that's going to try to, to snuff it out, to quiet our voice, to say it's not real. 